It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome back to another edition of the Redirect Podcast. This is episode number nine. It happens to be Friday, July 21st. Uh, this is Jason from the Black Truck Media team. Uh, I'm also welcomed from, by Patrick and Ashley from the team as well. And um, I just got back from MozCon 2017. So I'm hoping to share quite a few insights from there, maybe a couple big takeaways, kind of that general overarching theme with you guys. I've kept that somewhat of a secret, and I don't think I even uh, teased you guys with any of that information the whole week while I was gone. So um, I'm looking forward to sharing that. And then um, to keep things moving forward as normal, you guys have a couple pieces of information as well. So um, so I'm going to continue to keep you in suspense and ask oh, come on. one of you to go ahead and start with uh, a piece of content because I'm curious to see if any of it correlates to oh. what I have to share too. Okay, Pat's looking at me, so I'm up first. I came across an announcement from Google this week that there were some rumblings coming through on some of the feeds that I follow about how Google's homepage was going to be changing radically for the first time since the Mm. 90s, and and I was like, okay, that's kind of weird, okay. Mm. Uh, nothing really that I wanted to pay too much attention to until I started seeing headlines talking about how Google is introducing their own feed. So similar to fa- the Facebook feed that we have. Really? Yeah. That's so, not going to turn into the Yahoo homepage. Well, <laughs> a lot of people are drawing that correlation. It's funny that you said that. So they're going, it's been part of the Google mobile app, apparently. I don't have the mobile app personally, so I I'm, haven't been exposed to this on the app side, but they're going to apparently be introducing it to the main Google website as well, that they're going to be curating a feed for you based on your search history. Yeah. And whether you choose to follow something, you can, you can uh, personalize it in your settings. Mm. Um, so... Apparently, this is going to be correlated when you're signed into your, your Google Remind account. me, and I'll show you on the Pixel. So um, you have the normal Google Assistant. You know, I have mindset that my phone has to be kind of awake to, to function any of it just because I don't want to be like, – I don't want to be in a meeting and we start talking about this stuff and be like, okay, Google, and the thing starts chiming. Mm-hmm. Um, so you actually have to unlock the phone first. But if it's unlocked and you swipe the phone immediately, I guess it would be if you thumb to the right mm-hmm. – um, that's what comes up. And mm. you get all the personal assistant stuff. So, okay. like, if you're flying, it'll pull all your flight data in or your schedule for the day or the week. But then right below that, if you keep scrolling, yeah, it pulls in almost like um, Google News or things that you would be... I, I equate it to more like what Google News is right now mm-hmm. and how you can personalize that in mm-hmm. your settings. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's it's using Google's advanced machine learning algorithms, <clears throat> Um it looks like the stories are going to show up as cards on your screen, and there's going to be an option to follow to get updated news on the relevant topic. Um, as I said, it's customizable, and you can go into your settings and your preferences and choose topics that you want to follow and ones that you don't, and then um, you can make sure that 
your one-off searches, like asking Dr. Google about symptoms um, mm. that you're experiencing, you know, that that won't influence your feed. Um, and as a side note, NPR ran a story this week about the problem <laughs> of uh, featured snippets when people go to Dr. Google. Um, yeah, don't don't ask it like if yeah. you if you have some sort of virus or Everything something, and it's not it. it's not yeah. yeah don't don't rely on featured snippets to give you uh, a, the right answer for health related queries. We're still not there yet. No. So the the mobile app that you referenced is it the Google Google or is it Google News? It's uh, d- just said a Google hmm, Google I app. Use, hmm, I have a iPhone and I use uh, Google products for search. Okay. I used to use Google News, but I didn't write like the way it worked out. And then um, right last time I updated uh, OS to the new Apple News, I, I use Apple News a lot on my phone, mm. and it was far superior to the customization of the Google News. I've stopped using Google News, hmm. so hopefully it's not bringing Google News into the Google Search app because mm. I, I didn't think that was very functional. Hmm. Obviously, a lot's changed. Yeah, since I know probably. I I've I read a few different articles on this Google feed. Um, I don't have you know, all the details yet, but, uh, I think this is, I, my concern when I first heard about it, and a lot of people are also ex- expressing this online is, um, that this is only going to deepen the problem of filter bubbles and echo chambers and how we, mm, cur- mm-hmm. how, how our feeds are curated for us and how the options, you know, that we choose are going to create those filters. Um, Google says that it will also include trending news stories and diverse perspectives and related articles. Um, but I think there's still potential for people to create their own filter bubbles by choosing mm-hmm. what to follow and not, not follow. Um, there, apparently there's a fact check box so people can um, report things mm-hmm. that look shady. So that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Um, as I said, this is going to compete with Facebook um, Facebook's newsfeed relies mostly on your social graph, so people you follow, um, and then a story's popularity that's trending. Um, so anyway, when I s- saw this, I suspected that it would change the search game, but then when I saw Rand Fishkin from Moz tweeting about it last night, it kind of became more apparent. He's saying it's going to, you know, um, it's going to be big business. Optimizing for the Google newsfeed is going to be big business in SEO and the content worlds. Um, he has a few different tweets. Maybe I'll include a snapshot of this in our uh, blog post for this um, podcast episode. But he also predicted it could make our filter bubbles worse. Um, yeah. So he. So that's a <clears throat> really good. Uh, it's a good correlation. So his tweets were really good correlation. What he spoke about at Moscow. Mm. And, and what he closed out day three. So if I work backwards, you know, in terms of things that stuck out to me, or typically if I look at my notes and go, well, Jason, where did you write the most notes? It was either <laughs> applicable to me from, uh, oh, wow, that's really interesting. I should probably pay attention or agency side or client side. But um, that was a big thing is that there's a, there's a bias, you know, it's biasing searchers in your favor mm-hmm. is, is the common theme here. So, um, he had some really good suggestions there, but the big the big thing is is that um, you know investing in content that Google can't show in SERPs or that that builds your brands in a way when they do. So basically, if we're all optimizing for the things that Google's doing now, you're not thinking about the things that Google's going to do. So that's why, as an industry, you know, um, 
the smart search marketers aren't going to like run around with their hair on fire like oh my god there's an algorithm update mm-hmm. it's it is it should be more in line to look at these things and to look for those signals and signs and then and then try and understand how can how can we rank how can we get sites to to maybe down the road have things that are kind of baked into them already that that would help um, basically optimize for the future of Google mm-hmm. if um, you know if we're going to be if we just kind of s- sum it up so um, you know syncing the business goals with with your SEO and your content um, it would be you know it would be really uh, that would be really who of you to, to kind of think forward down the road is to really optimize for the future of them um, you know it would be really nice Rand made a really great point this doesn't exist and maybe somebody Maybe it's down the road, but it would be great to have a keyword tool that could tell us how easy it would be for Google to answer the query. Uh. So not only like search volumes, like let's not pay attention to search volumes anymore for a minute. And let's just think about, okay, what are people searching for? But if no keyword research tool in the world is going to tell you how easy it is for Google to answer that. So if all of a sudden I can control your feed when you go to Google... You know, I can already start to bias that into your into you into your favor as a user. Those filter bubbles and mm-hmm. what you call it, yeah, um, echo chambers. Echo chambers. You know, um, the easier it is for Google to answer that question, is the harder is the harder going to be f- for you to actually rank for it, right? Meaning they never. It, this goes beyond featured snippets. They never. Uh, a user never has to leave Google. They're going to take your content. They're going to be able to easily strip your content off of your site. Never give you proper credit. I mean, these are all these are all things that have signs written all over them in the direction that they're going with machine wow. learning, and they don't have full control over Mm-mm. over the machine, right? They're still they're still the feeding some. We're feeding the machine. Correct. Absolutely. And it's all a matter of what we put into it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And if we don't do it right, then the machine's never going to work right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's, wow. I think that's really good tie-in. Very good. So I stumbled across um, a source that I don't normally go to to read, the Yoast blog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found, um, published yesterday, um, a guide to mobile SEO. And it was pretty interesting. Um the biggest takeaway I took from it is that 2018 is going to change a lot of things because it's as Google is searching towards the mobile first index um, and the results on your desktop are going to be based on a mobile mm. mobile index. And starting next year, indexes on all your, your desktop versions are going to be based on results from your mobile site. So everybody's sites are going to get re-indexed and re-annotated. Mm. Inside of, of of Google, so it's we really need to start working on optimizing those things that we maybe kind of just gloss over sometimes when we're when we're focusing on mobile sites. The biggest thing I saw in that is um, those little things that we talk about in here. They're like, ah, oh, the scripts are there's too much code in the backside. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of scripts mm-hmm. on here, and mm-hmm. your image sizes are too big. Those little things are going to become a lot more important because that's how you're going to end up showing up on your desktop if mm-hmm. you have a site that loads super slow on mobile or your images aren't responsive, mm. not just a responsive site, the images are going to be responsive, then we have to um, dig deeper into that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think now is the time, I mean, we always keep saying that mobile first, mobile first, but like, I think it's, we saw it, was it 14 or 15 when there was the first time ever Google said, on this date, yeah, mobile is more important, you know, and it, um, 
that's a new scene so, with it. So it's interesting, though. I think I think too. There's a lot of hype around that. Right. So there was a big, big discussion. So it, um, at Search Love, what was the theme? The theme was very much machine learning, mm-hmm. and there was discussion about mobile too. But it was very hardcore machine learning. Um, I would say the inbounder that focused there too. And these were all unique presentations. Like I haven't heard a duplicate presentation this year Hmm. and everybody's kind of following that same machine learning pace, but machine learning more so in the side of, um, natural language, voice search, that type of thing. Um, which alludes to mobile for sure. Mm -hmm. But then also content, the content side and creating content that you want to read, not content that just Google wants to read. Mm -hmm. But um, another one that stood out for me, again, on day three, day three hit hit a lot of really, really great presenters. Not that any of the other days didn't, but um, Cindy Crump. So Mobile Moxie, we use some of Mobile Moxie's tools here. And um, great point is mobile friendliness is not mobile first. Mm-hmm. Just because your site is mobile friendly doesn't mean that you're thinking about it as far as the mobile first indexation that Mm. could come. So that was the other battle was both, actually both her and Rand and a couple others said, you know, oh, do we believe, like, what do we think about the mobile index? Is it going to happen? Is it not? And and everyone was kind of like on the fence, Mm. right? Like Rand all but about went on the record to say, "Mm, we'll see. Mm. Right. You know. At the same time, though. Oh, don't why, sit back. Why, yeah, don't sit back. No. Just, yeah. just make the yeah. directions. You know, right. When I was going through this, it actually <clears throat> led me down a different path um, and a whole new segment that's kind of always been important to me to talk about, but we don't really take a lot of action on it, is image SEO. Mm. Is specifically optimizing an entire site's source of images and how mm-hmm. to name them, mm-hmm. how to choose the files. And it, it gave a whole entire breakdown on how you need to size an image and, and um, not just size it, properly as far as dimensions go, but um, reduce file size. It mm-hmm. gave tips on, you can have That's your great. proper dimensions in DPI, but you can strip data from it to make the file even smaller to help cool. your image load even better. Mm-hmm. It was really informative, and it's all the stuff that I knew had to be done, but didn't really verbalize <laughs> it, and didn't know really how to go about doing it, because it's not part of our path right now, the way, mm-hmm. we're, the way we're doing things in-house here. And it's like, who's, whose job is that? Where, yeah. does, where does so that So on that mobile focus. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. it's, it's, it's it, it, right now it's, it's, is it the developer's job to do that? Or is it the SEO's job yeah. to do that? So now we blur the lines between yeah. SEO and developer. Because mm-hmm. the, the optimization of images, image SEO, is technically, it, it's tools outside of the marketing suite of tools we use. Sure. It's not something that the average SEO does. However, it's going to be very important to the way a, a site can load. Hmm. And it's, it's an important thing Like uh, with some of the teams that we partner with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a conversation that I want to have right now and even say, hey, maybe, maybe we should do that. Right. Or do you want to do that? We you should know? look at it. Yeah. But I think it, I think it is too. It, it, goes, it goes real deep on the whole idea that, you know, at the end of the day, indexing. So indexing a site, it's just a way to organize data. Right. So that's all you're doing. Like indexation is a way to organize data so that it's easy to get through. Make it easy to get through. Right. If that file, that image is gigantic, that's just making that the mobile first side of things, mm-hmm. if you will, the mobile index, right. I should say, is is gonna be much more challenging. Right. For you. So we'll make sure we link to that. That's a really good, yeah. really good piece. Um, 
I think I wanted to touch on one more. There's multiple things that Cindy said from Mobile Moxie in her presentation, but um, the the voice first, the whole voice first side of things. Um, it's it's the so is it is it mobile first or is it is it voice is it AI is it mm-hmm. offline and and really like her whole shtick was it's what they're trying to force us to is cloud it's cloud first and there were definitely some head nods in the crowd but then there were also some people that kind of went mm, I don't know but what they were saying is is like if you look at things like your hosting environments and Google Firebase and uh, AMP and then uh, also um, uh, progressive web apps, PWAs. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that a little bit more. Like all, a lot of those things are basically Google saying host with us because mm-hmm. it's going to be faster. And that's how you get the offline experience. Like I can download a portion uh, of that uh, if for an offline experience. So that brings up a whole other you know issue. But she made a really great point is that voice first device footprint is increasing. And you have to think about it. We have a lot of devices now, a ton of them that don't even have screens. They don't have a traditional browser, and they don't even they don't even have keywords. At the end of the day, you're just talking to it. So there's nothing else there but to interact. So things are gonna get things are gonna get weird in that in that sense. You know, uh, I mean, you know, the Google Chrome Chromecast has evolved ever since like when we first had it in our office. And then switch to Apple TV because it was, it was quite frankly, it was horrible. Um, but the ability to be able to cast things um, and search queries to your other devices. So like if you're Googling for, say, a cupcake recipe and you're near your Google Home device, you can tell it to send to Google Home. So it will send it to you. Because why would you want to look at a screen or touch a screen when you're baking when you can just have it read to you? the steps and the procedure mm-hmm. in in making that recipe. So yeah, I thought I found her stuff to be extremely fascinating, but she really stressed um, the the data side of things, you know, how making it easier for back to your point, Pat, Google to extract the data the way that they want because just simple discovery isn't scalable anymore. It never, it hasn't been for a while. So you have to understand feeds and XML and schema and because there's a lot of things out there that they're pulling from, and this even this whole Google feed thing, um, a lot of those things are coming in at feeds. Uh, we'll, um, when we can, we'll probably share some things from our slide deck, but it's pretty, it's pretty interesting to, to talk about. So Yeah, I, I actually wrote down schema in my notes quite a bit. It's, yeah. it, it's even down to like in, including a separate sitemap or images. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. have image schema, and it's it's a whole new area of things that I've, I actually want to sit down and start studying because it kind of opened my eyes. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Another piece that I found this week uh, from Search Engine Land, a study of 4 million Google searches uh, charts the click-through rate payoff that came from eliminating right-side ads mm. on Google Search. So um, on February 19th, 2016, Google confirmed it was eliminating text ads from the right rail of search results on desktop. Um, on the whole, overall, click-through rates for the top four ad slots have risen 49% since that change was made. Mm. Um, and let's see. So they analyzed 2 million searches in the 12 months before um, the change was made and then 2 million searches in the 12 months after the change um, was made to c- compare the desktop th- click-through rates hmm. for text ads in positions one through five. Um, and I believe the article said um, 
positions three and four saw the most um, growth since that change. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. Did they? That was on desktop. That was on desktop. Hmm. I don't have a comment to add to that. I want to read that article now. Huh? And then I, I do recall um, position five, which is actually at the bottom of the screen. Um, that one actually saw a 7% decrease in click-through rates. So nobody's going all the way down there is what you're saying. I guess that's what they found. Huh. <laughs> bottom of the barrel? Yep. All right. Um, Patrick, do you have anything else you wanted to add or do you want me to? I kind of combined both my Okay, cool. Cool. Um, I think to kind of wrap it up and, and hopefully I think as I go back through my notes, I mean, I've only had literally, um, maybe half a day to kind of go through notes. So as you guys know, I'll, I'll go back through notes and I'm going to summarize some things cause there's pieces in here I want to pick out and, and share internally with, with our team and, and understand how, how, if it can all be used. But, um, so Dr. Pete always brings a great, Dr. Pete from Moz always brings a, a great presentation with him and uh, five simple tactics for five scary changes. Hmm. Um, he wasn't the most scary, actually. Uh, I think a lot more people were scared by what Cindy had to share. But, um, you know, big takeaways. Um, is your site secure yet? Like, get mm-hmm. it secure. Um, and he put data out there, um, you know, projected that something like two-thirds uh, of sites going HTTPS in the next 18 months. So, hmm. um, so of the top 10 sites that like Moz tracks, eight are secure. Hmm. Hmm. Whereas like maybe probably last year that probably wasn't the case. I, I'd have to review my notes to know what that stat is, but it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely some weird items happening and elements that are popping up that, that can make it more difficult to compete in that, i.e. that news space. Mm-hmm. Um, so top stories, news, tweets, all of that. Um, and he, he said, you know, pay special attention to... Um, search queries and if there's a lot of spaces where it's all ads um, and you're not in a position to maybe rank there organically that might be a spot where you have to pay for it mm. right so it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how great you think your content is and you're just not ranking for it organically that might be an area that if you start to look at it and go like the ecosystem is just blasted with ads and news and tweets but it's something that is re- really relevant to you. Mm. You might have to set your organic hat aside for a moment and and maybe pay to play. Mm, that makes sense. So so the, maybe the question back and a, a thought provoking question to end on here is 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 that another way that you know by flooding the SERPs with news and top news and tweets and things like that is another way to monetize hmm. because we make it more competitive. I don't know. Hmm. It could be. It could be good, so. Wow. Will yeah. the game change, though, if everyone's forced to pay for it? Oh, t- yeah. I mean, to- I mean totally. You're going to lose a lot of players. Right, right. Yeah, it's hard to say. Hmm. I don't know. But it's a lot to think about. Yeah. So hopefully in the next uh, next coming weeks here, um, I will have my notes further solidified as we continue to explore more uh, industry news. Uh, you know, end of the day, it was a great conference. It was good. I was um, very fortunate to be able to go. And to, you know, listen, it's, they always do a great job, Pat. I know you were there last year and, and got a lot of value out of that one, too. So um, we will continue to go to these types of events and share our knowledge with um, listeners as well as clients. So uh, until next week, 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Redirect Podcast, and we will catch you then. Good luck. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.